Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, believe it or not, Psalm 119, and verse 130. Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us this opportunity to come here and worship. Lord, making the way, making all the crooked places straight. We thank you for your love, your power, your guidance, your wisdom. Thank you for growing us in the grace and knowledge of our King Jesus Christ today. Help us to be empowered that we might help others, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Word of God works in our minds. I was talking last week about cognitive disorders and how God is the solution to all that. Not psychology. Not psychiatry. Nothing against anybody. The way they get help, however many steps they want to take is fine with me if that's all they got. But there's a one-step program that works much better. And I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And that's what I'm going to proclaim until the day he calls me home to be with him. And if the only complaint that there is is that I talked about him too much, well, I will not be ashamed when I face him. Amen? Psalm 119 talks about the fact that the Word of God is, it comes to our mind as a light. It's like turning the light on in the natural and physical realm. And we need this spiritual light. 119, 130 bears witness to this. It says, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now that (laughs) uh, is something that we all need. Amen? Because no matter how wonderful and great we think we are, we're pretty simple when it comes to God's wisdom and understanding, wouldn't you say? Man's separation from God has left him in darkness. And the entrance of God's word is like a light piercing through that darkness and magnifying all the things that we need to be aware of. Like a beautiful, powerful sunset after a cold, dark night. I'll never forget the day that I was standing at the gas pump with tears running down my eyes, having been a broken mess in the world and and not realizing it, having felt so betrayed once I realized it was the devil who had pulled off this great con on me for so long, not, not setting aside the responsibility that I was prepared to take for whatever damage I had done as well, but I was just crying and not, you know, just tears wept coming down my eyes as I was looking into a beautiful sunset. And I said, Lord, I'm seeking you. And as, as, as if someone touched me on the shoulder, I turned around 180 degrees and it was the most beautiful rainbow from end to end. 
My wife and I used to look for them out at the cattle pasture. She called them cowboys because sometimes we would see them out there. But this day, it was, it was that one that you seldom ever see, if ever, in your life. And it was encompassing me, and it was end to end. Beautiful and gorgeous, all the light and colors of the spectrum. And you know, they, they get that way by going through the different the water droplets, to keep it simple, serve as a prism. And they bend the light particles and they make all that light visible in the colors. God did that for us. And it was the most comforting thing, letting me know that God was on the case. He was there with me. He would never leave me or forsake me. And he was going to begin to provide me with the much needed light and understanding that I had been lacking for all these years. Don't close it all the way if you can help it in case someone else comes. Sam, thank you. So, I think I was... I, I was going to continue on with this message about the Word and how it penetrates into the darkness and brings light into our lives. And, I, and, I, and it's part of the same message. But I really believe that God put it on my heart this week to take that and sort of into a sort of an advanced class today. And then we'll get back to the beautiful importance of the Word, because this is, this is part of the Word. But He wanted me to begin, to endeavor to begin to discuss with you the gifts of the Spirit today. And for those of you who are familiar with them, this is something that is probably exciting to you. Some of you, we all come from different sort of denominational backgrounds and settings, or maybe if you're lucky, sometimes nothing at all. So you've got a, a clean slate. You've already, you don't have to connose or empty out because there's really nothing there based on the Word of God. And you're here to receive the truth of God's Word. And that's what, that's all that I care to do. My prayer every day is, God, let it be you. I don't have anything to say apart from you. I refuse to, to teach your people apart from you. So let it be you. And if there's ever any part of it that's me, just help them to forget that part. To spit out the bones and just eat the flesh of the fish. And keep all the good stuff that comes from you. That's my sincere prayer. And I wish it were the prayer of every minister. Because then we would have folks not building kingdoms unto themselves, but unto God. Amen. We're here to try to vacate hell and populate heaven. Amen? Amen? So, I want to start off by talking, uh, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And so I'm going to let the Bible do the talking. Amen? Amen? Because I know there have been abuses of this sort of thing in the body of Christ. Matter of fact, when I came to the Lord, I told the people that uh, were ministering to me, I said, that is not of God. I'm not doing none of that nonsense. 
And they said, okay. And it didn't take long before the Lord began to reveal to me that it's true. So these gifts of the Spirit have always been in the Bible. They've always been in the New Covenant. They've always been available to the church. And now, in these times, ministries and ministers all across the body of Christ and around the world, especially in other nations and and in this nation, are being revitalized, redirected, re-empowered by them. Amen? Amen? And I think that when Jesus returns for His bride and not His harem, He will be looking for a bride adorned not only in unity and in love, but in all the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Walking in power and victory and love and peace and joy. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first verse of chapter 12, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be uninformed. So that's what we're going to work on tapping into today, okay? We don't want you to be uninformed. God does not want you to be uninformed. And the Holy Spirit is here to help. Amen? Amen. Starting down at the fourth verse, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in every one. Now, starting in verse 7, I'm going to read down to verse 11. And watch, they begin and end the same. To each one, to every one in the body of Christ, to each is given the manifestation, there's another important word, of the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, for the common good, for the edification, the building up of the body of Christ. Amen? For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. Notice that wisdom and knowledge are very close and similar, but they're very different as well. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. All that says that there are nine particular gifts of the Spirit. There are others who would argue there are maybe more. But Paul lists nine here. And I want to talk about these nine gifts of the Spirit. First, I want to discuss with you their nature and purpose. Does that sound, sound good? <laughs> so, the best thing to do is just to list them without all the other the words... And I'll just list them. There's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, distinguishing between spirits or discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Those are the nine gifts of the Spirit that Paul lays out here. And the purpose... And the nature of the gifts is something that we need to understand so that we are not intimidated by them and that we will embrace them and know that they're of God. 
First of all, the first thing to remember is that they're gifts. They're not anything that can be earned. They're not merit badges. <laughs> they don't take any time to receive these. And they only come to you by a simple faith response. Amen. So anyone that comes and says that they are special and, and that they are the one that you have to go to this, they're not, they're, there are no psychics in the body of Christ, okay? There are prophets. But if it's a psychic, if it's, I don't care if it's Sylvia Brown or any of those others, what they are talking to and who they are talking to is not of God, but of the devil. And I'm here, I can prove that to you, but I'm not going to take the time to do it today. But stay away from that kind of stuff because all they're talking to is familiar spirits that are of the, of, uh, they're, they're demons and fallen angels that they're dealing with and not from God. Amen. Okay, so these are gifts from the Holy Spirit that you can't earn them and they take no time to acquire. And the second thing that you, Paul mentions here is that they're given to each one. You notice he, he says that, that they're available to all believers. There are, there are no special groups or denominations. And you see these gifts these days working across all denominational barriers. I can show you people within organizations and parts of the body of Christ and denominations that I do not particularly agree with their doctrine, but these are people who love the Lord and have embraced the gifts of the Spirit and they're walking in power and victory. Amen. The third thing is that they are a manifestation. The Holy Spirit is invisible. You cannot see Him. You cannot discern Him with your five natural senses. But... This is how he manifests himself. Jesus described him as like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You can see uh, the, the trees rustling in the, and blowing around. You can see things getting moved around by the wind, but you can't see the wind itself. And that's, this is the manifestation that, that God has, has chosen through the gifts he makes himself manifest in a, in a way that produces results perceived by our natural senses. Amen? And the fourth thing is that they're supernatural. These manifestations are of God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and they are on a higher level than we can ever achieve by our own ability or education. Amen? So those are the four purposes, the reasons, or, 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 or the the uh, the nature of the gifts, and I I want to put these into three groups so that they're easier for us to understand. First of all, we have the revelation gifts, and in that under that heading, there's three in each group. The revelation gifts. You'll find wisdom and knowledge and the discerning of spirits, or this is distinguishing between spirits. These are all uh, revelation gifts. And then you have the power gifts, faith, miracles, and healing. And then you have the vocal gifts. These are gifts that are necessarily brought about by the human voice, activated, amen? And they are tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. I'll be getting into all of those, but not today. Today, I'm going to try to get to uh, the first two revelation gifts, which are wisdom and knowledge.
if I can. Amen? Amen. But let's continue on with the, the, the purpose. The, I've, I've put down here four reasons for these gifts. We understand how they operate, that they are gifts, that they're given to each one, that they're a manifestation of God into the natural realm, and that they're supernatural, something we can't achieve on our own. But now let's look at the other, the purpose of them. Because the, the, the first reason is that it, it gives space to God's sovereignty. This is something that um, has destroyed, many, the lack of this has destroyed many churches, caused many divisions, and it continues to do so today. But God is in supreme control of every aspect of His church. This is the church, the body of Jesus Christ, and He wants to be in the supreme commander. He is the supreme commander of His real church. Amen? Amen. It was never intended for there to be any part of the church that is run solely by human or carnal direction. And this is the way, through the gifts, that God can intervene and reign supreme and, and, and make His will known to the body of believers. He can intervene and overrule things that they are trying to do and He can give guidance. Amen. And that's very important to always leave space for the Holy Spirit. He never called a board to run His church. There are thousands of pastors who may operate in one of the fivefold ministry gifts. There are thousands who do not. And they should not be standing there today. And I'm not being critical. I'm trying to tell how God would have us to fix the body of Christ is to begin to depend on the Holy Spirit. And then there are others who are gifted in the fivefold ministry, and they have been relegated to uh, glorified administrators. They're doing so much that they don't have any time to be with the Lord and to hear Him and to to share with the body what God is giving through Him. You see, because He is the man who God has put over that particular body, and He's not going to bypass His house to go and tell one of the members who may be totally carnal or on a board because they've given more than anybody else. They're not going to go and give instructions to that person, to this man of God, on how he would operate that particular part of the body of Christ. God is a God of order, you see. Okay. I'm telling you this, and as I'm thinking of... I could give you dozens and dozens of accounts of specific incidents where churches have been destroyed because people would not adhere to this, what I'm trying to tell you here, what God is trying to share with you. The, the church is not a democracy. It's not. There are abuses on every level, I was talking about that last week, maybe the week before, some of the atrocities that I encountered when I thought you couldn't do anything to surprise me, nothing was going to shock me, and then when I became a minister and I be, in this large organization, I became aware of some of the atrocities that were being committed by pastors on their churches, the things they were doing to take advantage of the believers in those churches, and I was amazed and angered and astonished. 
That's why every believer needs the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the word so we know what's right and wrong. We know the difference between what is of the devil and what is of God. Amen? Amen. The next thing is that these gifts lift us up beyond our own natural ability. It's supernatural. In the book of Acts, which is the first book in the New Covenant after the four Gospels, it is our only historical written account in the Word of God about how the church operates. And it it's a it's a chrono it's a it's it's a it's a testament from Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote Acts about the things that went on and how things were done in the first century church. Amen? Now, if you were to look at the 28 chapters in the book of Acts and take out every supernatural occurrence in the book of Acts, there would not be one of the 28 chapters left intact. Does that make an impression on you? (laughs) Mind this, I've heard things like, well, all that stuff passed away with the original apostles. Wrong. I can prove that that is a nonsense. Jesus did not go out and say, heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes, preach the kingdom of God for the first century only, and then just hand out Bibles. Okay. Christianity should never be lived out as a purely natural thing. It was never intended to. And the fact that it has gotten to that in many places, there's a sort of a division in the body of Christ regarding these things. But listen, it's not because God has some parts of his bodies that operate in this and they're the powerful ones that come in and fix other, and everything else. And then there's others that are just big organizations that can, that can do big things in their city because they have a lot of giving and things like that. No. This says to every believer, doesn't it? It's what it says. And so these are available to every believer. And I can tell you now that God has given to each one of you and to everyone else listening and to everyone in the body of Christ who has really been born again. You have at least one of these spiritual gifts, maybe more. And we're going to learn how to stir them up. Amen. If you want to. God is a gentleman and he will never force anything on you. But this is available to you and God wants you to know it. Amen. And... He needs you. Do you ever think that God needs you? He does. Not only does he love you like crazy, he got your picture in his wallet. But he needs you. When Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, it wasn't because he was tired, it was because he was done. He gave his authority on in this earth to us, the church. The third thing is that the gifts of the Spirit confirm our testimony about Jesus Christ. This is so important. And if I have time, I'm going to give you a little example of how that worked in my own life. Maybe that will help someone somewhere. But look, 1 Corinthians, just back up to the first chapter, just a few pages back. 1 Corinthians 
These these epistles are are amazing because Paul is, uh, in many cases, answering a series of questions. These young believers had a lot of questions. Sometimes he was bringing correction. They were they were running around like like um, like little Christian babies in their in their Christian diapers, you know. And they were handling things in ways that weren't exactly correct, but. You know, God bless them, they were excited. At least they were, they were doing something, amen. But Paul would, would steer and guide them as the Holy Spirit gave him the wisdom, amen. <laughs> but they confirm our testimony of Jesus Christ, and this is an important one. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, look, starting at the 4th verse through the 8th verse. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He said, I give thanks to my God always for you. Because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. He's referring here to these first two gifts of the revelation, uh, uh, the revelation gifts that I was talking to you, uh, specifically of, 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 of speech and of, of knowledge and of wisdom and of, of tongues and interpretation. Anyway. I can get into that later, but right now I just want to touch on this about how it confirms our testimony about Jesus Christ. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you are not lacking in any gift. He's not talking about financial or physical gifts. He's talking about spiritual gifts. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, he was thanking God that they lacked in no spiritual gift. And... He also says that they would continue on until the end of the age. What age is he talking about? This is important for us to understand time and the dispensations of time pertaining to God. Because this time that we live in is the same time they lived in. From the, from the time Jesus Christ came, was crucified, buried, resurrected, and then ascended to heaven. And on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came 50 days after. That began the church age. This is the age of grace and truth. And it will continue from Jesus' time till the time he returns. For that, before that, the church was not involved. The Gentiles, like you and I, any here Jewish believers... No. So, Gentiles, as we were known, before we knew the Lord, were not even involved with God. Thank God Jesus came. But before that, what God was dealing with man based on the law. And he was only dealing with the Israelites based on the law for 1,500 years. So that was, a, that was a different age. That was a different time, the dispensation of time. But we live now in the church age. And God has not changed he has not evolved. None of his word has changed. This is not an old, outdated book that is not influential or pertinent for this day and age. It is very relevant. It's the same now as it was then, and it will be until he returns. Amen. Amen. Okay, good deal. No argument there. 
So he was bragging on them to God and thanking God that they were they had every all these gifts working amongst them, and it was confirming their testimony about Jesus Christ to the unbelievers, to the Gentiles, to those who needed to know, and were, they were trying to bring into their their ranks into the body of Christ, and they were specifically operating in these vocal and revelation gifts. And the last thing is that they enable the holy the gifts of the Holy Spirit enable all believers to contribute for the common good. 1 Corinthians 14.26, which is just a couple pages past where we begin. Isn't it cool? I'm staying right here for a change. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. What then, brethren, when you come together, each one... Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up or for the edification of the body of Christ. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three, two or at the most three, and then each in turn, and let someone interpret. In other words, Paul was laying out, he had a bunch of uh, spiritual babies, and they all had these new gifts of the Spirit, and they were all just active, <laughs> you know, all talking at the same time, all doing, you know, and said, so, wait a minute now, okay, let's, let's, I don't want to, I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit, because I want everybody to be involved who has been baptizing the Holy Spirit and is operating in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, but God is a God of order. So let's just get this worked out and let me show you some things about how it should work. But he's saying each one should be involved. You know, I've been in settings where, you know, you don't dare say anything. And there are thousands of people sitting there for years and years and years. And I don't, and probably everyone in there, it, well, let's assume 10% of them are saved out of a thousand. According to Billy Graham, that might be a generous number. But... If those 10% really knew the Lord, they all had something to offer the body of Christ. They all had something to offer the church. They all had something to offer in that setting. And they were quenched because of the doctrine and the beliefs of that particular situation. Now, I have been in other situations where it was sort of like the church in Corinth, you know, where you see people doing cartwheels and, uh, and doing all that. I've never been in one of the deals where they're juggling snakes and all that, and I don't intend to be, but uh, I can just tell you, some of that nonsense is not of God. But remember this, uh, <laughs> there was a couple, a minister went to another, a sort of a Pentecostal church, and, and, uh, and uh, the, this woman, uh, as he was ministering, this woman began to, to, to loudly speak in tongues and to run around and around and around and uh, doing all sorts of crazy dances and jumping on the chairs and all this sort of stuff. And the, the, uh, the, the visiting minister looked at the pastor and he said, aren't you going to put a stop to that? He said, I didn't start it. I ain't going to stop it. So in other words, he was saying he didn't know if it was God or not. But I can tell you, I would have shut it down. And then I would have encouraged the person later not to quench their <laughs> any gift of God, but that God is a God of order, you see. 
And uh, just like if someone, uh, which has happened many times, someone stands up in the midst of, uh, of my sermon and they, and they just began to, to speak out a prophecy, I tell them to sit down and be quiet. Why? Because I don't want to hear what God has to say? No, because the Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet and that God is a God of an order. Of order. And if they really have something from God, it'll wait. And he can, they can tell me privately and, and uh, I will judge and then we will we'll share that. You see, that's just the way I run things. But that's the way God prefers it. God is not uh, a God of chaos, uh, of craziness. And things that are going to run people off. God, Jesus is not weird, and that was what. That, see, when I when I when I got exposed to some of the gifts of the Spirit, I, I thought it was kind of weird, and maybe there was some weirdness. And uh, and and the Lord had to show me that's not me, you know. But but when the wind blows, it has different effects on people. And sometimes their emotions get the best of them. And sometimes they really may be sensing uh, the presence of the Lord and some things. And so they get excited and that's okay. But nevertheless, I just wanted to touch on that. Maybe that's helping somebody. But it's to enable all believers to contribute for the common good. How many times have you just wished that you had a little bit of a part to play? You know, it's not for everybody to drive the bus. But you, if you're a part of this church and you've prayed and said, Lord, where am I supposed to be planted? Because I believe that the provision for every believer is at a place called there. If Elisha hadn't gone to the brook to where the raven had been instructed to bring the, 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 the food for him, he wouldn't have gotten it. I believe everybody has a place to be and when they're in the place that God has for them to be planted, that they will thrive. And that that's where their provision, both spiritually and everything else, will come through the growth from that from that particular setting. And if they're a part of that church where they've been called, then they're just as much a part of it as the pastor is. They can't drive the bus, but they've got a seat on that bus and they need to find out where it is. Some people come and they say, well, I don't like the person I have to sit next to. Well, you better you better get over that. That's why we called not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because those smooth stones that David got out of the brook, how do you think they got smooth? From the water rushing over in them, from banging together over and over and over again. Everybody's looking for that perfect church. Well, let me tell you, if you find it, once you get there, it won't be perfect anymore. It's better to be in a leaky boat out in the middle of the ocean than out swimming with the sharks on your own. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so welcome to our little leaky boat. <laughs> Praise be to God. <laughs> now, I'm going to try to wrap this up here in just a minute. But um, I want to touch on at least one of the gifts of the Spirit. And since two of them go together so closely, I'll try to run through that and just uh, give you a taste. Amen? So the first one I want to talk about is the gift of wisdom. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we started out in the 8th in the, uh, verse, Paul mentions it specifically. And he says, uh, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. Notice that they are very close together, but they are also very different. Wisdom, I'll I'll just put it like this, because it makes it easy for me to to remember. Wisdom is directive, and knowledge is informative. 
Knowledge gives us the facts. Wisdom tells us what to do with them. How's that? Okay. Ecclesiastes 10.10, and I'll just read this to you because I got it out of the King James Version because to me, it's the only one that bears witness to this. And I think most of the most of the versions change directs directs the word directs to uh, give success, and I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Ecclesiastes ten ten, Solomon says, "If the iron, talking about an axe, is dull, this is the old King James, okay? If the iron is dull, and he do not wet the edge, you know what a whetstone is? It's a sharpener. So if, if you don't, if the axe is dull and you don't sharpen it, <laughs> okay?" Then must he put two more strength. If you got a dull axe, you got to hit it harder, don't you? And I know if you ever had neck problems like I did one time, this is not a good idea. It's much better to have a, a sharp axe. Because banging on stuff like that is not good for you. <laughs> but wisdom is profitable to direct. It brings success, is what most of the translations say. But the King James had it right, I believe. Is it profitable to direct? So the, the picture here is of, of a man with a dull axe banging away on a tree. And that's kind of dumb when it's not really doing any good. He needs to go sharpen that axe. Wisdom will tell him, go sharpen the axe. And then wisdom will also direct him how to cut down that tree. Because we know that we don't just hit... At a, at, a, uh, at a perpendicular uh, angle and continue to hack away like that, do we, when we're cutting down? You hit that way and then you hit it at an angle and you chop a little wedge into it and you do that on the side on which you want it to fall. Right? Not, you know, people bang on this side thinking it's going to fall the other way. No, it's going to fall toward you, the place you've made the, uh, the space for it to, to lose. Anyway, so... Wisdom gives, the, it's in a simple terms, he's saying wisdom tells this man, hey, sharpen the axe, and then here's how you cut it down to be successful. Amen? So it's directed. Proverbs 15, 2 in the King James says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. There are a lot of people in this world that have a lot of knowledge. Aren't there? Many, many people. Prob- most people have more knowledge than me about a lot of things. Uh, who was that cowboy comedian that uh, Roy Rogers? I think he said, we're all ignorant just on different subjects. <laughs> but the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. But the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. So there are a lot of people with a lot of knowledge but they use, some of them, use their knowledge to their own destruction or to the destruction of others. Wouldn't you say that's fair to say that there are some that do that? But with wisdom, we make the right use of the knowledge. That's what this Proverbs 15.2 is saying. So, without wisdom and out the fear of the Lord... It doesn't matter. We're not going to. We're not going to do well. It's not within man to direct his own steps. We do not belong to ourselves, and without God and His wisdom, we can learn as much as we want to. I know a lot of people who have learned this whole Bible 
just to kind of disprove that it that it was real. In many cases, God uses that as an opportunity to to prove to bring that person in if their heart is really seeking Him. And other times, they just stay dumb because they're full of pride, and He just refuses to. He don't He doesn't feel like He has to tell them anything. But they know the word, but it still doesn't mean anything because it's just logos. And it's not Rama. It's not alive. It's not the spoken word of God. The now word of God in which is necessary. But each occasion when God gives us a, one of these gifts. When the Holy Spirit intervenes and gives us. A, it's just one small part. One word of God's wisdom. Of God's knowledge. God is all knowing. He knows everything. And he has all the wisdom. But thanks be to God. He doesn't. He doesn't burden us with all of that. Amen? Believe me, it would be too much to bear. (laughs) So God steps in and He imparts a word for that situation to help, to edify, to bring clarification, and to give direction. Amen? Acts chapter 15 is a perfect example of this. In the early church, remember I said Acts is the account of the early church written down by Luke, as he was given utterance by the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 15, they had come to sort of a crossroads in the church, in the early church. And because God had told Peter, remember when he when he lowered the, the sheet down and he said, kill and eat. And at, at that point, he knew that it was okay to for the Gentiles to come in. And so the people that were not uh, of Jewish descent... It was time and God was calling them clean and he was going to bring them in and allow them to come into relationship with him. Thanks be to God. And so, and he'd also sent Paul. And Paul, remember when he got his encounter with the Lord, he went off for three years into the desert and the Lord brought him up and showed him, I think supernaturally, uh, all the things that he had already learned, the book knowledge he had, and he gave it he gave it uh, life. He showed him what it really all meant and how it all pointed to Jesus. Amen? So they're having this meeting at this council meeting of the early believers and they had it in Jerusalem. James was the head of the church. He was a half-brother of Jesus. He was the head of the church in Jerusalem. Now also to this council meeting came all the all the big shots. Peter and his followers and and James and, and his followers there, and, and Paul and his, and John and his, and there was also some uh, uh, of the followers of the, uh, the Pharisees, and these were people who were really hard cases. They, were, they had come to know the Lord Jesus, but they also still wanted to impose all the strict laws of the Old Covenant and the law and circumcision and all these things upon these new Gentile believers, you see. And it wasn't going well. And so they came to have a meeting to decide what was to be done, what sort of instructions were to be given given to these Gentile believers. Okay? It was a very important time in the church, and it needed to be handled very delicately. And you can only imagine that this became a very heated discussion, and people were in disagreement, and they were all believers, and they were seeking 
to do things right, but it was based on what they thought was right. And up until now, God had not intervened and told them what to do. Peter stood up and talked, and then there were some other things that came. And then James had a word of wisdom from God. And it says right here in Acts chapter 15... I'll start at verse 12. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. This is after Peter spoke. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brethren, listen to me. He gets this word of wisdom. And what he does, he quotes a passage of Scripture from the book of Amos. And... Listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. And the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is this. That we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. Food that had been strangled and food with blood in it. Just these four things. That's all we're going to tell them. Just, just stay away from false idols. Don't be worshiping your little statues anymore. And don't be sexually immoral. And don't eat food that's been strangled or has blood in it. And it, it brought peace. Everyone was of the same mind. And it says in here, three times it says that it seemed good to everyone after that. In verse 22, then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men to go say, say this to the Gentiles. In verse 25, it also says, and it seemed good to us having come to one accord. See, it brought unity within that, that, host, that heated environment amongst those in the church when God intervened and gave his wisdom. And then it says that again in 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on no greater burden than these requirements. So it fixed some things at this crossroads in the church. It brought unity and peace amongst all the elders and believers. And it gave uh, simple instructions. Uh, it, had a, it had a profound effect on the early church. It could have, they, if they would have listened to some of those guys, they could have driven all those Gentile believers away and they would have said that's too much. And uh, like Peter had told them before, why are we trying to lay a burden on them that we couldn't even keep up ourselves before? And it worked out great. That's the word of wisdom. And so it's important that we just realize that these gifts are available to us all and they're for the good of the church and that God wants us to have them and that you have at least one. Um, and we just need to open our hearts and to walk closely with God and to talk to Him about these things in our private prayer life and just see where it leads because we're going to continue to grow in this. And um, 
I was going to talk to you a little bit about the word of knowledge because they're very closely related, but I think we'll just do that next week, okay? Everybody cool? All right. Well, thank you, Lord, for this message, and I just pray, Lord, that you make it clear to everyone that what you're trying to accomplish, that you want your church to walk adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit, to walk in authority and power and victory, and to receive the help from you, the healing everywhere we hurt, the empowerment through your word, your love and your prosperity, so that we can in turn help others with the help that we have received. And this is one of the ways that we are going to be able to achieve that. So we thank you, Lord, for loving us so much and teaching us and growing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.